All right, welcome back everyone. Today I have with me a very, very special guest, Dr. Maria Shaker. Um, welcome, Dr. Shaker. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Hey, womanity. <laughs> Dr. Shaker is an OBGYN. She's board certified in complex family planning, and she's also the medical director at the UH Ahuja Center for Women. And she's just an amazing human being. She's one of my besties. You might have, be a little biased. <laughs> I might be a little biased. <laughs> she's wonderful. Just to mention, her views do not necessarily reflect that of her employer, but I think everything she's going to say today is worthy of everyone listening. So um, I invited her on today to talk about bleeding and the pill and how to take the birth control pill. And, you know, it's been around for a long time, but I think there's still a lot of confusion around it. So I thought there's no one better to talk to about this than Dr. Shaker. So Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I think this is my first ever podcast. So this will go down in my history books anyway. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. Okay. I'm going to throw out a statistic to kind of start our conversation. While prepping for this podcast, I found that the average woman in today's day of age has somewhere between 400 to 500 periods in her lifetime. That Isn't sounds it? terrible. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of pain and nuisance and inconvenience that is just not necessary. And a lot of tampons. <laughs> and a lot of tampons, a lot of waste going into the landfill, a lot of pads. Some people, you know, are totally opposed to wearing tampons. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I sounds know. terrible. Let's avoid it. It wasn't, it wasn't always like this, right? <laughs> so in our days of yore, our ancestors were having way more babies than we're having now. Mm. They were pregnant earlier, they were pregnant more frequently, and then they were breastfeeding for longer. Mm -hmm. So that was maybe suppressing their periods too. And this would go on for their most of their reproductive life. So it's it's kind of crazy that now we're dealing with this, but we don't have to, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's a really interesting way to put it, Rachel, because um, I didn't think of it that way. Like I always think back to my ancestors, you know, some of my my predecessors came from the old country and I just think about, oh my gosh, how did they manage their menstrual cycles, their periods? Um, like they probably had to really use rags and, but maybe yeah. they were just pregnant all the time and maybe that was, you know, a better alternative back in the day. Um, although knowing what a toddler is like and raising <laughs> <laughs> it's a different it's a different one yes totally so yeah totally not necessary to have periods and we have ways around it and yes that is with hormonal manipulation um and people are always really surprised i think when they come in to talk to me and uh, you know patients definitely come in and they want to talk about their amenorrhea or the absence of menses when they are using some form of hormonal manipulation that inhibits ovulation or the release of the, the egg from the ovary um you know on some form of birth control pill and you know i tried to provide reassurance and say it is totally okay and healthy 
to not have any bleeding whatsoever if we're doing something to manipulate the menstrual cycle. Now, if you're out there in the world and you're not taking any medication, you're not taking a birth control method or something to manipulate your menstrual cycle and you're not having a period and, you know, you're in your reproductive life, your, um, you know, age, um, then it is abnormal to not have a period. But so I just wanted to put that out there, too. That makes sense. Okay, so if you're taking a pill and you don't get a period, I mean, is that normal that you just might not bleed or... Totally. So I think you're alluding to how does the pill work, right? And um, a lot of birth control pills, I mean, it depends on the formulation, they inhibit or prevent ovulation, preventing those crazy fluctuations of the hormones that naturally occur during the menstrual cycle. Um, And so thereby thinning the lining of the inside of the uterus, the lining that we usually shed when we do have a period. So if there's no lining to shed, there's no period to have. I, I frequently have patients come in and they say, you know, they're taking their birth control pills or they're using the hormonal implant and they always talk about their periods. But if they're taking mm-hmm. a method that is preventing ovulation, that actually isn't a period, it's all semantics. I get crazy about semantics. But if you're not ovulating, mm-hmm. you're not having a period. It's just Breakthrough bleeding or withdrawal bleed just depends on the method. Yeah, the withdrawal bleed, I think, is the important thing to highlight, right? Because they are bleeding and you're bleeding at this time that you would otherwise have a period because of the way the birth control pill was created. And if you want to know more about this, I'm writing about this in my blog, the history of the birth control pill. Oh, yeah. It's super interesting. It was basically to appease the Catholic Church so that people could take the pill and still appear to have periods. And nobody would suspect that they're not ovulating. But, you know, we're not all Catholic. I (laughs) know. Yet we still take the pill that way. When it, it sounds like, you know, they were trying to get the Pope on board when they were, you know, they made the discovery of how the pill works. And, you know, they made it 28 days to kind of mimic the menstrual cycle and the calendar year, that sort of thing, too. So um, I can't wait to read your blog. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Um, But basically what's happening is when you stop taking the hormones, then your body realizes that and you have a bleed. But what you're saying is that it's not the lining that's bleeding. Technically, no. So, okay, you're taking, let's say you're taking the traditional birth control pill um, and you're really good about taking it and adhering with it every day about the same time. Um, and most pills are either like a 21 day formulation or 24 day formulation. And that has, um, the 21 day or 24 day are the active pills. And then you have the placebo pills to make up the 28 day pack. So that's either seven days of placebo, four days of placebo. And so your body sees the hormone every day when you're taking your pill and then you get to the placebo pills and there's no more hormone. Your body's like, oh, this is like when I'm actually cycling through the menstrual cycle and pregnancy doesn't happen. So your body doesn't see the hormones of pregnancy and it says, okay, time to reset the uterus. Let's just shed what's ever there. And so there might be like, you know, a little buildup of a lining when you're on the pill. And so that's what you're actually shedding. But sometimes it's so thin or atrophic or not because there's nothing to be, it's not responding to anything. So then um, there's nothing built up. So there's nothing to shed. And so that's why some people end up having no bleeding. (laughs) It's all confusing. Yeah. 
so it's good for people who have heavy periods to be on the pill because then when they do bleed, they should be bleeding way less, right? And so they're helping to combat anemia or anything else or just having that discomfort of really heavy periods. But do they even need to be bleeding at all? Because this is something I talk to people about every day and I feel like it's hard to convince people sometimes. I mean, I guess my spiel is just that it is okay. It is perfectly healthy to not have any bleeding whatsoever. And I, some people find comfort in having their withdrawal bleed and it kind of reassures them that pregnancy has not occurred even while on the pill because nothing's mm -hmm. perfect. I mean, the pill is about 92, 93% effective when you're taking it really well. So some people really like that assurance, um, but it is perfectly normal and healthy to not have any, have any bleeding whatsoever. Now, the other type of bleeding that can happen is something called breakthrough bleeding. Now, now let's say you're taking the pill and it's during the, um, with the hormone containing uh, pills. And so some people experience um, some yeah. bleeding during that time. And so it's inconvenient. It's unexpected. Um, it can be a nuisance. And that happens because maybe the lining is so thin. And so there are blood vessels that are underneath the lining. And sometimes they can be a little leaky if they're not covered up. And so um, do you typically recommend people to skip the placebo pills and start a new package? Or what do you tell people? It depends on what I'm using birth control for. I mean, I hate the term birth control because it's not always to prevent pregnancy. It's a lot of times I'm using it as a medication to help with abnormal bleeding or, I mean, mostly abnormal bleeding, but there are so many health benefits to birth control. But if they're taking it because they have really painful periods, or let's say they're really anemic and they need to build up their iron stores again, I tell them to skip those mm -hmm. placebos usually two times in a row, two packs in a row. And then on the third pill pack, I have them take the whole pack and have a withdrawal bleed. But it can be prescribed to skip the placebo pills every month or every pack. And the only risk to that is that maybe you'll have some more breakthrough bleeding if exactly. the is so, is so thin. Right. You were saying before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the difficult thing with it, and I, I try to tell people, even though they're starting for the first time with a pill, I try to tell them you don't have to take the placebo, you know, because of the way this was designed and all of that. But one of the tough things is that sometimes insurance will not fill the prescription if I'm writing it for them with a normal birth control pill prescription, because they get through their pills faster when they skip those weeks of placebo pills. And so then when they go to the pharmacy, they say, oh, well, it's not time for you to have the new one. So I guess in those situations, you can use some of the pills that are designed to be or every three months, like Seasonique, something like that. Do you have do you have any other tips for getting around that? You know what? I haven't run into that in a long time. And I wonder if it's based on, you know, when I prescribe it continuously, I use a different diagnosis code, like yeah. painful periods or heavy menstrual bleeding, as opposed to like more mm, of a contraceptive code. So I think that's what helps um, yeah. with insurance coverage, because I haven't had any patients complain about it recently. Oh, good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very helpful for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the 24-day formulations, 24 days of active pills and the four days of placebo, there's less um, potential for escape 
ovulation with the 24 day formulation. So if people are using that for escape ovulation, that sounds very exciting. Oh, escape. It's like clandestine (laughs) ovulation, ovulatory event. Um, So our body, I don't want to get into too nitty gritty details, but if our body doesn't see the hormone for a long enough period of time, it's going to say, okay, it's time to start recruiting eggs to try and get pregnant. And so seven days might be a little bit too long. Um, And so the body starts recruiting, you know, an egg from the ovary to try and release to so that we get pregnant because the whole goal of the reproductive system is to get pregnant no matter what, no matter how. Um, So the shorter placebo length, the four days reduces the risk of escape ovulation. Oh, I love that. So people can request that when they're talking to their physicians if they're eligible and their advanced practice providers, of course, Mm -hmm. if they're eligible for combined oral contraceptives. And that kind of is a perfect segue, right? Because just recently, we have gotten the -the over-the-counter option uh, for a contraceptive pill. It's not out yet, but it's been FDA approved. And it's not actually combined oral contraceptive. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us what it is and what the significance of having it available over-the-counter is? Yeah, so when people think of the traditional birth control pill, that typically is a two-hormone formulation, an estrogen and a progestin. Um, But there are also pills that only have progestin. That is really the main hormone that potentiates or really is the cause of birth control or preventing pregnancy. Progestin does a couple of different things. It thins the lining inside the uterus. Um, in some, At some formulations, it totally prevents ovulation or releasing the egg from the ovary. It also thickens cervical mucus. So it works in a couple of different ways. And then the estrogen in the two hormone combo kind of potentiates or improves that a little bit. It also helps to reduce some of the side effects of the progestin only pills. But some people can't take estrogen. Um, It's contraindicated in people who have high blood pressure, who have a history of a blood clot in their legs or their lungs. Some people might not be eligible if they get migraines with aura. If you're age 35 and and older and you smoke, those would be reasons why, and there's a whole bunch of others, why people wouldn't be eligible for estrogen-containing methods. So this progestin-only formulation is totally safe. Almost anybody can take it. It's awesome that it's going to be available to people um, over the counter so that if you're having a hard time getting in with your physician or provider and you really want to start birth control, this is a great gateway birth control pill, if you will. And it, like I said, there's like really no contraindications to it aside from, you know, personal history of breast cancer. I, you know, off the top of my head, that would be the only one that I think of. So many things that we have over the counter are more more risky than a progestin only pill. So. Totally. Right. Like if somebody were, if they didn't know that they were pregnant yet, it was early on in their pregnancy, a pregnancy test hasn't come back positive and they start taking this because they're like, oh gosh, I need something for birth control. I mean, this would not harm a developing pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So the only thing it could potentially do is oh, really good about taking it. It might delay the diagnosis of pregnancy. Okay. Oh, but that's really helpful to know as well. And otherwise, you know, if somebody is taking it, say they're taking it for bleeding, it it might help with that too, right? Like it's not just for contraception, but is there, it could I, mean, I mean, it's not the first thing that I prescribe for someone who has, you know, heavy bleeding. 
but it still could help, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. Nice. So just making things more accessible to people, I think, is is so important. That's what we need more of in reproductive health care, more access for everybody, make it equitable. I totally agree, 100%. Well, this has been super helpful. I've learned some things. I'm sure people listening have learned a lot as well. And so good to have your time. I really appreciate it. All right, great. I learned something too. Thanks for having me. 